Hi, everyone. Welcome to Extra Help with Inside Schools. I'm Tom Liam Lynch. This past weekend, some families reported receiving a letter signed by the mayor and chancellor addressing their progress and next steps for New York City schools. It offered five commitments they are making to support families with remote learning and homeschooling in the wake of the coronavirus. In this episode, I'll share my take on four of those commitments. And as for the fifth one, well, I'm going to leave that for another episode. Now, before I get into the letter and what the five commitments are that the mayor and chancellor are making, um, let me just say that I didn't actually receive the letter directly myself. So I'm trying to better understand how some of the communication channels are operating as the city responds um, to the crisis. Um, It could be that they're being sent out to email addresses and mine isn't in a system. It could be that it's coming through the school and that I wasn't hooked up into some of that. And I can be pretty bad with some of those things. Um, But we got this through my wife got received it um, through friend of a friend. So these are the five commitments that the city is making um, as we start to look toward how to essentially how to close out the school year and start the next one um, with all of all of the global pandemic realities in mind. So, number one, every student who has requested an internet-enabled device will have one by the end of April. Number two, we will make sure that parents can ask and get answers to their questions about remote learning. Number three, we'll continue to invest in instructional resources, enrichment programs, and student supports for your families to engage in learning at home. Number four, we will ensure every high school senior is supported toward graduation. And number five, we will reopen schools stronger than ever in September. All right, remember that fifth one I'm gonna leave for for another time. Um, But let's focus a little bit now on the first four. So this first one that every student who has requested an internet enabled device will have one by the end of April. Um, One of the things that I think has been hard for some families to understand is what that reality is like for other families who don't necessarily have um, devices available at home for online or remote learning. It can be a bit of a, of a privilege, right, and a luxury, actually, to have multiple devices at home, and you're kind of figuring out which one can work for your, you know, for your kid. That's what we do. We have a whole bunch of them. I had to dust off an old MacBook Pro, you know, but that's, that is not at all necessarily the case for many families in the city, and it's actually a massive lift to try to deliver devices um, to, to families. So let me just break down some of the process and why I think the, the efforts that the city's undergoing here I think are are really laudable in a lot of ways. So first and foremost, you have to know who does and does not have devices. Like, how do you figure that out? Do you rely on, for example, schools to tell you? If schools don't have their own communication channels kind of tight, then that can be a really hard thing to determine. Do you rely on self-reporting um, where a parent or a student herself or himself can, can say that I need a device? Um, once that request is put in there, there needs to be some sort of process for verifying their actual need, that they are who they say they are, that their address is accurate. Sometimes the addresses that are in the DOE systems officially are not the actual ones at which a child might be residing. They might split time between one home or another on weekends. They might have an address in there that was right but wasn't updated when it needed to be. So there's all of that, like all of those logistics, right? And this is in addition to just purchasing those number of devices, which I, from what I've seen in some recent estimates, seem to be in the tens of thousands. So 
once you have a sense of who needs it and what the, the level of need is, you then have to purchase the devices. Well, that seems simple enough. It's, you know, Chancellor, call up the call up Apple and like put an order in for 50,000 devices. It doesn't quite go that way for a whole host of reasons. But one of the main things that the public doesn't necessarily understand about devices when they come to schools is that they need to make a stop along the way. Meaning Apple can't just send them to the students and Apple can't just send them directly, let's say, if, and I'm assuming obviously that there's Apple products, you can tell I'm, I'm an Apple, I'm an Apple guy. Um, but they also, the machines have to be what's called, they have to be imaged. And so what that means is that they go to a second, third party um, service provider who takes the new device out of the box and they install on it a kind of a special version of the operating system specifically for New York City public schools. And that's a way that allows the central IT divisions to have, you know, different kinds of uh, access or control over devices, not really control very much. Um, but it also enable it allows for easier hookup to like Wi-Fi at the school level. And it, it also is for privacy and security purposes. So the devices have one, you have to find out who needs them, you have to verify that who needs them needs them and that they go where they, you have to know where they go, you have to put the order in, as the order's coming, it has to make a pit stop at some probably some warehouse. Um, when I was doing that work for the city, it was a warehouse in Queens. Um, and it's literally a massive, massive warehouse with just lots of boxes of computers and like they get taken out manually and and special software gets installed on them. And then they can be sent off in kind of a relay fashion to be delivered. So if you know anybody who is requesting a device, and I even just got an email the other day from a parent, a grandparent actually, who hadn't received one yet, um, you can, you know, calling 311 is a good option for sure. You can also just, if you Google remote learning device request or whatever it might be, NYC DOE, it'll come up and the, the DOE has a webpage. But this idea of ensuring that all students actually have devices is a really uh, huge step. Um, they don't say very much in here about um, access to bandwidth, um, and that is that is a that is another aspect of this particular item that and commitment that the city needs to take seriously. And I suspect that they are. Um, but just because you have the device doesn't mean that you have access to the internet in a way that allows you to use the device very well. And so, you know, it used to be that you could use the libraries as a go-to um, in many communities, but that's not even necessarily, necessarily an option at the moment, though it could be interesting to think about what it might mean to partner with libraries as a form of learning center within communities already. Um, just an idea, um, if city officials are listening. Number two, again, this one was that we'll make sure that parents can, get, uh, can ask and get answers to their questions about remote learning. I was so delighted to see this commitment on the letter. Um, it's been something that I've been saying from the get-go that um, in this kind of situation, you need to make, your, essentially you're putting parents in the positions or adults in the positions at home, guardians, in the position of being teachers to their students. There's so many questions that can come up from how do I log into Google Classroom to I don't know where, I don't know how to do this math myself and the teacher's not explaining it, to social emotional support. And the city with this particular bullet point, they seem to be aware that there is quite a bit of nuance and some contours for it. So here, for that issue. In fact, they go as far as to say this means increasing hours and staffing of our parent hotline so that you can get answers you need. I think that's fantastic. Um, and those kinds of answers are, I, I would think of them in terms of both technological or technical, um, but also pedagogical, instructional. It could also be, con it could also be content specific. Um, I might even go a bit far, uh, further here and say that, you know, you, you really want to have a curricular 
um, arm to this hotline as well. It should be one too that maybe teachers can call um, in addition to parents since so much of what they're they're facing right now is actually quite similar. Um, so that just might be another way to get more out of that number too. Number three, we'll continue to invest in instructional resources, enrichment programs, and student supports for your families to engage in learning at home. Um, they acknowledge that students, quote, deserve a, uh, a need and deserve rich, deep programming and remote learning opportunities. That's 100% true. They're also talking about includes learning resources by teachers and schools, but also fund materials from cultural institutions, libraries, etc. Um, I think all of this, like it's 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 the right sentiment for sure. Um, but what is I just want to identify just a little bit of a weak spot in the way that some of this is being framed. So in the wake of the coronavirus, as we've seen different kinds of institutions try to reach out and support learning in different forms, there tends to be an emphasis on uh, on resources, on links to things, right? Um, the problem with that is like links alone does not learning make. It's insufficient to have just lots of different kinds of resources. Um, you need to go beyond that. Um, and so what I mean by beyond that is like what folks actually need if they're going to, as the city is saying, to engage in learning at home, if that's the actual goal, the city needs to step up and provide learning models for teachers and for parents. That is, how do I pull together these different resources in a certain kind of learning environment that allows everyone to be clear and confident in, in, in the actual learning experience? Right. What does it mean to, for example, the city could set up a template Google class or a model Google class that shows like, you know, here's an example of a class where you start with a video conference followed by group work, followed by collaboration on a Google Doc, followed by a presentation or report, you know, followed by an exit ticket with a Google form like the city could create those kinds of models and those models is actually those models are actually what allows teachers and parents to plug things like resources in but if you're you know if you're offering the instructional resources without the learning models and all you're doing is offering water with no glass and it's not super helpful or to make it work you know it's you get it's a bit of an awkward drinking experience so you know move beyond the not just the water but you also need the glass what i would also say for this number 3 here is that if, if you're going to beef up the kinds of instructional resources, enrichment programs, and student supports, and if you have things like, you know, all of these resources from libraries, museums, parks, and otherwise, um, I really hope that you're using a centralized, the city's using a centralized um, uh, digital resource repository. Specifically, they should be using We Teach NYC. We Teach NYC is built for this, and I, and I hope um, that they are very clear with themselves that like this is not a situation where you you know to create a new web page with a lot of links all you're going to do is overwhelm people this is a you need to do this systematically with metadata that's searchable so that you know random parent x can go to one clean clear place um, and put in a search term and get tons of um, supports so um my fingers are crossed that the the city has you know has taken taken stock of the different platforms that are available to them and that they're going to be using we teach nyc for that similarly if they're providing more instructional resources and supports for students and families and i would argue also teachers they should be looking really closely and auditing i learn nyc i learn nyc as i've shared in previous episodes it was a project i worked on many years ago they have catalogs of courses that teachers could just unpack 
these kinds of courses are the kinds of courses that homeschooling parents use across the country as well. I'm not saying they're perfect. In fact, some of them can be dodgy as all get out. That's not the point. The point is that these are phenomenal resources and somebody should be going through there diligently and like determining which ones are of high quality or at least making them available to families and teachers so that we know we can crowdsource that kind of activity. So number three is a big one um, and I have a lot of hope for it. I was really happy to see it on here. Um, you know, high hopes, but you know, and, fing- and fingers tightly crossed. Number four, we will ensure every high school senior is supported towards graduation. This was a fantastic one to see on here. And I think if, if my newsfeed and for sure has been kind of filled with um, every day or two, there's a there's a post about high school seniors who I think quite rightly are saying, um, you know, what about what about us? How do we know that we're going to graduate and how do we know we're going to be supported in graduating and moving on to whatever the next step is for us in life? Um, so I thought it was really it was it was really great to see that the city was committing to um, providing um, specifically to providing one on one counseling support for every senior working closely with families, um, schools and families to understand if students are on track um, and specifically with guidance counselors, they name um, guidance counselors from every high school or reach out to every senior. That's a big commitment. Guidance counselors struggle to do that anyway. Um, so while I applaud this as a goal, and I think it's the right one, um, I also have a ton of questions about how realistically this is happening and how well this is going to happen. Because the timeline is tight now, right? We're like halfway through April. Um, so, you know, if every one of those guys, I mean, you could just do the math to start to figure out that like if every guidance counselor is having like a meaningful call with a student, let's say that call meaningful call is like 15 minutes each, 15 times four will give you an hour. So each day they might get between 20, 25 students um, if all they're doing is calling. You know, is it realistic to think that they'll be able to just do calls and get in touch with all of their students and follow up in the ways they need to if needed and track down students who are like it's a big task so um, more detail from the city on what this is looking like and what they're doing to support guidance counselors um, would be I think much appreciated by families what they should also know too is that we, we at inside schools um, we, we have our own conversations you know amongst the team in terms of things we're seeing and experiencing and the role of guidance counselors is really 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 important um, when it comes comes to you know when it comes to the quality of a student's learning experience and when it comes to their options for you know for schools and for college and work and beyond Um, we can't emphasize enough the importance of having great guidance counselors and of supporting guidance counselors Um, and look the fact is not every school has great guidance counselors Uh, they they very few have enough guidance counselors and that that in and of itself is, is a problem but then the the quality of the guidance counselors too can be you know it can really run the gamut Um, And so if, you know, if you're a parent thinking about the school that your child is in or or receiving different kinds of supports or you're or or uh, the if you're thinking about the um, the school that they might go to, uh, getting a sense of the guidance counselor and getting a a read on like like how, you know, how informed and committed um, is this guidance counselor and how supported is that guidance counselor by the administration. um, That's a really good litmus test. Um, And again, we'll be watching this one closely because it's a noble goal um, and it seems like a very, very, very hard one actually to do, Not, not to do necessarily, but certainly to do well. 
All right, let me pause there. Um, number five, just as a teaser for the next episode, is around we will reopen schools stronger than ever in September. That's one that I thought we could spend a little more time discussing because I don't think it's necessarily going to be quite as simple as that, or at least it's not necessarily going to be quite as simple as that. But before I sign off, I want to update listeners, you, on the future of their podcast. So we've been overwhelmed in a great way by the response to extra help. It was also originally intended to be a daily pod that helped parents get through kind of a very specific period of time, like a temporary period of time. And the goal was to like, let's post every day until, you know, every weekday until we get to spring break. And then let's take stock and, you know, and things will be getting a little bit back more to normal. Folks will be, you know, out of the school mindset and, and we'll see what, you know, what comes next. And then spring break disappeared. Um, so as it becomes clearer that schools will be remote for the remainder of the year, even if the governor and mayor are still arguing about that. Um, we want to make sure that extra help remains a resource to families and to the public. So we're committing to you that we want to keep extra help going and we want to see it you know, continue to grow and to, to provide a service. So in the coming weeks, we're going to be experimenting with some different show formats and with the number of episodes that come out each week. Um, so rather than five, uh, probably most realistically, you know, we'll bring it down to like two per week. Um, and then we'll see like what kinds of issues are coming up, what kinds of formats work, what kinds of resources does it take on our end to produce a, an episode that's like that we think adds value. Um, and during that time, we really appreciate any feedback you have to offer. You can do that via social media. You can do that, you know, directly to uh, to me um, uh, at Tom Liam Lynch on Twitter, like whatever works for you. But the podcast is after all for you. So we look forward to figuring this out with you in the coming weeks. That's all for this episode, but our engagement doesn't have to stop here. We have lots of resources and tools over at InsideSchools.org where you can find our independent reviews of city schools and sign up for our weekly newsletter. The newsletter uh, link is also in the show notes um, for this episode. You'll also find us very active over on our Facebook page and Twitter. And finally... Please consider subscribing to our podcast, and if the spirit moves you, leave us feedback. It means a lot. Um, we say that every every episode, and I mean it every episode. Your feedback means everything to us, so please, uh, please provide. All right, until next time, I'm Tom Liam Lynch. I'll see you online.